welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer! Oh. All, all from four people. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't know, are you following this, but uh, you have a new television show coming up next September. Uh, called oh, that's Judge right. Jerry. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah, what Judge I... Judge Jerry. That made me wonder. I wonder if when Maria opens a show with, and now here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer... She ought to be saying, all rise. For Judge Jerry. Yeah. Well, and at he, least let's say the, uh, let's hear it for the Honorable Jerry Springer. I, mm. I'm not going to ask people to rise because we're getting older. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. So you think we're incapable of standing up. <laughs> yeah. So let's keep everyone where they are. You know, we're thankful everyone got here. So <laughs> asking yeah. people to actually stand. But no, the, uh, that would be nice. The yeah. honorable. I could do yeah, that. I'd like a I little, think, you know, seventy-five years. Let's all get some rise, respect. and then you could say the His honorable own. Judge oh. Jerry Springer. Oh, there we go. Because that is just so freaking ridiculous. The do we, honorable. Do we need to call you your honor? I, I think would we hope should. So. I think that he should be called Judge from here forward. We should say Judge. All right. Hey, by the way, Judge, I wanted to ask you. <laughs> oh, this why is in the much. hell? Yes. Doesn't you went to Northwestern Law School? Yes, and I tout that as one of the best law schools in America. I think it is, isn't it's a, it? It's an excellent law school, considered yeah. to be one of the top ones. Have they and or and if not, I suspect the answer is no. Or I would have heard about it, but shouldn't they honor you? Isn't there some top alum oh, law school grad? Bad chance, but I'll tell you what did happen. What ten years ago was my fortieth. Uh, anniversary of graduating right and so they invited me to give the speech at the 40th law school graduation are you serious i didn't know that oh yeah i did that's a big deal well so the law school graduates yes yeah (laughs) wow but there was such a protest there was oh there was a protest and it was big in the chicago papers what oh my god i I, I did it anyway you did yeah and they allowed you in spite of it well the school was a little embarrassed because they you know they but they they didn't pull back through Oh, oh, that's wonderful. And they, really, and I that's walked so in, sad. and of course, well, the students were great. I mean, they, yeah, they all thought it was hilarious. Yeah, they just, yeah, dude, they do Jerry, Jerry, yeah. as you came in. Also, that's I'll say, it. you guys defend criminals, and you're <laughs> right. upset that I come in here to talk, right? Yeah, but no, uh, yeah, I, I got to do that. that well, now that it young. is, and I, I keep saying this, but it is true, you are adjudicating actual cases. Mm-hmm. From around the country, there are small claims cases, right. but you are a, a will be a real judge as much as many as much as all the judges and all yeah. of the ju- yeah, jurisdictions we didn't, around. We're not America. reinventing the wheel here. No, all those court shows, um, they have legal validity. Yeah, and so when you agree, what they do, the producers, you know, go on their computers and they look at courthouses all around the country and find interesting cases that have been filed. And then they mm. call up 
if it's a real interesting case, they call up the plaintiff and the defendant, wherever they live in America, and say, would you like to be flown, in our case, to um, you know Stanford, Connecticut, and have your case adjudicated by Jerry Springer on television? Yeah. I had no idea they were real. Well, there's a lot of screaming that goes on initially. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather plead guilty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, um, and so, you know, and a lot of people... Say, oh, that's who, because as Gene said, these are small claims, so it's $5,000 and less. It's mm-hmm. not like your life is on the line here. But a lot of people think, yeah, that'd be great, and they're on television, and they get to fly to, they get flown to Connecticut. So that's how they find the cases. But you sign a waiver of legal validity that whatever my decision is, you can't appeal it in a court of common pleas or anything else. So, mm-hmm. and that's true of Judge Judy, all of them. So yeah. that's. And that, and you're you're going to think this is a joke, and it isn't. But after you do this show, and you're getting a little long on the tooth, you're about 86 years old now. <laughs> and I mean, come on. So rude. You know, no, seriously. We're going to be running this show 20 years from now. <laughs> yeah. That's why we say that. No, listen. You'll be a TV judge. Yes. And I wonder if the day will come when in Ohio, where you have great political standing and history here, you'd have to move. Yeah, come in and run for judge where and, and it could be like a reelect on your campaign signs. It could say reelect. No, I can't because you weren't elected. You were appointed for what do you get about eight million dollars a year to do that? Return. Return. Right for the Ohio Jerry Supreme Springer. Court. Yeah. Oh my God. I think it'd be amazing. <laughs> hey, and there are how much and how much am I in line to then be governor? Am I third in line? I'd or say you're at least third. Does everyone fourth. in Ohio have to die before I'm governor? Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have if to seven die. Seven million people pass away. <laughs> yeah. I'm next in line. <laughs> I'd have to die, and I live in Kentucky. No. Yeah. Hey. By the way. Um, we have uh, a great musical act coming on mm-hmm. tonight. I, it, it's Jeff and Missy Perholz. But what what is the name of the group? That they yeah, they're they're uh, the Duo Jets. The so. Duo Jets, and they and they have their. We'll talk to them about that. I know you will. Mm-hmm. They have their own another band, but this is like a pullout thing they do, which is very cool. Oh yeah, we heard the mic check, and they're they're really professional. Yes. Yeah. They're really another they're very great, tight. great local act out of uh, this tri-state area That's too. Right. That's right. We are just wealthy with awesome we are, music. We here. are Maria, Spoiled. and we're very lucky. And uh, she's too humble to say, but she happens to be one of them too. Uh, local yeah. performer yeah. Uh, performing in various uh, setups, sometimes mm-hmm. alone, sometimes with groups. By the way, you are the only judge who is also a celebrity ringmaster, circus ringmaster. I'm not <laughs> referring to your TV show, but tonight, yeah. We're raising <laughs> funds yes. for a foundation that yeah. supports local kids from yeah. Ludlow. Yeah, yeah. folks want to come in. we got some chairs in here. But we have uh, a foundation that helps local kids from Ludlow, Kentucky, where Folks School Coffee Parlor is. Yeah to, uh, number one, experience uh, circus skills and activities because there are, believe it or not, uh, there are jobs yeah. available. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it, just seeing their yeah. routes. They're, and yeah. and uh, next door there is a place called Beerkus Brewing. It's also part of Circus Mojo. It's a wonderful place. It combines great uh, craft beer yep. uh, cooked up by a local brewer and uh, Sean, and then combined with circus acts, and Jerry's going to be the celebrity ringmaster of all of that. 
So if you're listening live and you're anywhere near Ludlow, come on down. That's happening next door. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. <clears throat> a lot of attention is focused on Michael Cohen. Yeah. And he has pled guilty and he's going to prison. And, and it made me wonder, is there a difference between the payoffs of Donald Trump to two women in particular to silence them before the election, about a week out from the election, and what Bill Clinton did? And, and Bill Clinton was impeached. So does that this all connect with impeachment? That, that's a fair question. And uh, to be honest, a, a lot of us who, you know, we're on the left side of the political spectrum and we were very upset that Bill Clinton was impeached. Uh, we were saying at the time that at least I was saying at the time that, you know, we didn't vote for him based on how good a husband he was or what, you know, what he was doing sexually, um, as long as he was doing a good job running the country, that that was the issue. And this certainly wasn't something that's impeachable. Um, and that was my position then, and many of us had that position. And it must have been the public's position, simply because he was impeached, it, he wasn't removed from office because the votes in the Senate weren't there, and... From that moment on, Clinton never had as high approval rating in the polls that he did after the impeachment effort. In other words, he became a sympathetic character, and the public rallied around him, mostly on the idea that, yeah, we know what he's like. That wasn't, you know, it's improper. No one should defend that. But that's a separate question, whether or not you should be president of the United States. And in fairness, that has kind of been the view that Americans have taken. Uh, for example, I don't think any rational person should say that because FDR uh, was having a, an affair, and maybe several, but certainly one, uh, that during World War II, let's, let's throw FDR out of office as we're taking on the Nazis and, uh, and the Japanese and you know the Axis powers in World War II. Uh, nor did anyone say Eisenhower shouldn't have been, uh, you know, running D-Day uh, because of his affair and uh, JFK or with the Cuban Missile Crisis. In other words, we have been pretty adult as a society about this, not condoning it, not saying this is appropriate behavior, but it's a separate issue when you're talking about world leaders and the kind of decisions that they're making that you kind of have to say, that what is the priority? So now, so therefore, I don't think it ever was justifiable um, on the Bill Clinton matter to remove him from office. And now we come to Trump. And a lot of people on, certainly a lot of people on, left of center in America, a lot of Democrats and a lot of independents and even some Republicans are saying that Trump's behavior, you know, regarding sexual misdeeds um, is abhorrent. And now the issue of impeachment has come up because it more than appears he's pled guilty to it. Um, Cohen is saying that Trump ordered him to pay off these women two weeks before the election uh, so that it wouldn't stop him from becoming president. 
Why is this a little bit different? And I'm going to start out by saying only a little bit different, because you might be surprised with where I end up on this. If it's only sexual misdeeds or a cover-up of a sexual misdeed by itself, I don't believe that rises to the level of impeachment. And I don't think it's good for the country that it does. Because we're not going to have any stability in our politicians or in our government if a government only lasts so long as the people in the government are in their personal lives pure. It's just, you know, the party that loses will always try to find something to get the guy removed. And we have to recognize that we choose our leaders based on elections. So as much as possible, see, stick with that. You don't change policy and you don't change the government uh, through the method of impeachment. It's too extreme. What makes Trump's case a little bit different, though, is that with Clinton, it had nothing to do with the running of the government or any policies, and he didn't do it to cover it up to get elected because it was towards the end of his second term. So he was leaving office anyway. So there was no, none of it related to what the policy of our government was or what we were doing in international affairs. So it really did turn out to be an immoral act, but it was, in a sense, private. It had to do with his character, uh, but not with the running of the government. With Trump, however, it is arguable, particularly since the election turned out Well, he lost the popular vote by 3 million votes, but because the Electoral College was only by 80,000 out of 130 million votes, it is entirely possible to say that two weeks after the the Access Hollywood um, tapes came out, where Trump was recorded saying those awful things about how he treats women, Two weeks after that, if this would have then come out that he was, you know, having an affair, having affairs with these women uh, right after his wife had a baby, that that could have switched enough votes. So, in fact, this criminal act, and it was a criminal act because you're paying someone to affect an election illegally and not reporting it as a campaign contribution. So there's no question it's an illegal act. The question is, does it rise to the level of impeachment? But since this, you could argue, if he had not done that, he might not have been president at all. And so all the chaos we've had for the last two years, we wouldn't be going through. Maybe other problems, but not these problems. So you could say this isn't just a private act that he committed, that this literally affected the world in terms of our international relations. So it's at a much higher level of effect to the American people. And you could argue that, therefore, that does rise to the level of impeachment. Do we have someone in office who, but for breaking the law, would not be president? That's the question. Would he have been president except for the fact that he broke the law? that all of a sudden becomes the high crime and misdemeanor. Having said that, not to give you whiplash, I'm going back the other way. I don't think this is worth impeachment. 
This is, I'm not talking about what happens with Russians. This, what he did, I don't think impeachment is the answer. And the reason is, number one, it wouldn't be successful at this point because the Republican Senate is not going to vote to remove him. The Democrats will have the votes to impeach him, but he won't be removed because that takes the vote of two-thirds of the Senate, and that's not going to happen. But beyond that, the length of time this whole process is going to take brings us right into the middle of the presidential election. So we have a chance to remove him from office anyway. Is it worth putting the country and setting the precedent Remember, we've never removed a president from office by impeachment. Nixon was the threat of impeachment, but no president has ever been removed from office by impeachment. Is it worth putting our country through this when two or three months later, you would have the chance, assuming that Trump doesn't resign in the meantime, you would have the chance of removing him from office anyway? So I think it's for the good of the country that we don't go through the impeachment process for the sexual offenses because that's only going to lead to resentment. If it takes politicians to remove him from office, that's going to be a lot different. You know, the people that voted for Trump say, we voted for him, we're Trumpians, and now you're taking our vote away because you politicians want to do that. That's a lot of resentment. It's much easier for the country to accept if after the next election, Trump is removed from office. So I would argue no impeachment based purely on the sexual offenses. And one final exception to that, to whiplash back the other way. The only reason you forget everything I say and go for impeachment or even for indictment. Now, I know you're going to say, well, there's a policy in the Justice Department that you cannot indict a sitting president. But did you hear what I just said? There's a policy. It's a memo that the Justice Department has put out on prior occasions and saying it's our policy not to indict a sitting president. Nowhere is it a law that you can't indict a sitting president. So I am saying, if it turns out, after this Mueller investigation, that clearly we have the conspiracy between the Russians, particularly through the financial um, doings of Trump and his company, if it shows that the financial dealings resulted in, result in the Russians owning him and, in a sense, controlling our government and controlling our policies, then that requires an indictment and an impeachment, whatever is quicker, right away. On something like that, if we are now being governed by a foreign power that is not our friend, every day matters. Every day matters. What, what is our response going to be in the Middle East? What is our response going to be in Korea? Who is going to believe the president when he goes on national television and says we have to do this? So if that is the issue, not the sexual issues, but if that is the issue, then you can't wait for the next election. You've got to go with imp impeachment or indictment and take it to the Supreme Court. They'll hear it right away. But just because it's a policy of the Justice Department, it's not the law. So in those extreme circumstances, you could do it. So finally, there's the rule. Sex is not enough to impeach a president. Two, if there is reason to impeach a president, 
because it affected the election and it's close to the next election, don't go through the process of impeachment because the people that voted for Trump will resent that you're removing their vote. Wait two more months, have the election, and you can remove him by, by a vote, and that'll be much more accepted. And the only exception to all of that is that, as I said, if the Russians really are running our government, that is so extreme that requires immediate removal from office. And that's why I say re-elect Judge Jerry Springer. Garajki. 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 It's a Russian word, which means a key that opens a garage. What do you think it means? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible group here with us tonight uh, on the podcast. And I want to mention, give a little bit of a background. We've had um, all three of them. There are three of them standing up there. Uh, we've had all three of these amazing musicians on the podcast before in different carnations. Um, and uh, we've, before we've seen the newbies. And then there's uh, Michelle Himmer has been on it before as well. And together, you guys are the Duo Jets. And we are so happy to have you. Please, I would like uh, you guys to give us a little bit of a background on, on you guys. And then also, um, you. I understand you have a cool event coming up. So tell us about that, too. Yeah, so... We all were friends when we were in college together. And uh, Michelle and Jeff knew each other before I even knew Jeff. And Jeff and I are married, so this is why this is kind of an interesting fact. And um, Michelle and I essentially learned to play t guitar together when we were in our early 20s. And she... Last week. That's right. That's right. But, uh, we, and then after graduation, she moved to L.A. and to Nashville and pursued songwriting and had a quite a bit of success publishing her songs for television shows. And every time she'd come and visit us in Cincinnati, she was like, this is a really fun music scene. I'm like, yeah, just move here. So she finally did. Woo! Yeah. I'm here. Finally. So we started as a duo, hence the duo Jets. And then, um, you know, Jeff is my husband, and he's always at shows, so we figure we might as well throw him on a guitar every now and then. And he's a legend, so, yeah. Yeah, and then the show coming up is Women of Rock, which is... Yeah, yeah, and um, it's a tribute show that we're going to do at the Southgate House Revival on December 28th, and it features a lot of really great powerhouse female vocalists in town, Crystal Peterson being one of them, uh, Rio Van, Michelle Hemmer, my friend Elena Jaber, and myself, and the Newbies and the Just Strange Brothers are the backing band. So. December 28th. Yeah, it's going to be a party. So excited. Yeah. <laughs> And tell us about uh, the first song that you guys are going to play here. We'd love to hear it. Um, this is actually a, a Christmas tune that I wrote with my husband. Um, my husband notoriously likes the really sad, um, melancholy Christmas tunes. So this is one of those. So this will cheer you up. <laughs> this will yeah. cheer you up. Yeah. I mean, Jerry already cheered us up. but it's true. <laughs> we, thought we'd, we thought we'd bring it lower. No, no, that's good. Okay. Uh, it's called This Christmas Day. Merry Christmas Merry Christmas baby It's been a long year but I was thinking maybe 
Wow. Such a beautiful song. Thank, Thank you, you very Brian. much. I want to say my husband's name. Brian was Nikki. He was the co-writer. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to have to cut your pay for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I understand. Fully. What's Fully understand. zero minus? Yeah, yeah. zero. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just pay you 10 bucks. We'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. We got this. Yeah. Uh, will you guys please um, sing Down by the Riverside for us? And if you would... Maybe have Jerry join in on a well, verse. That'll oh, break we'll the Christmas that. spirit. <laughs> He's gonna have to give That's the like ten dollars back. Lump of coal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sounds good. Here we go. I'm gonna lay down my burden down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. I'm gonna lay down my burden. Down by the riverside, don't study war no more. I'm gonna study war no more. Ain't 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 gonna study war no more. Take it away, Jerry. Been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I ain't gonna study or no more.